Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul? Shine. I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it flow. Episode 54, Connecting with Your Higher Self with Melissa Sophia Joy. Today I have with me the amazing, multifaceted Dr. Melissa Sophia Joy, who is a naturopathic doctor, founder of Somatic Awakening, and specialist in mind-body-spirit counseling. She is also a spiritual teacher, oracle of the Council of One, priestess in the Magdalene Sophia tradition, love that, mystic energy medicine practitioner, and medical intuitive. She has been in practice as a naturopathic doctor for 20 years, but most significantly, she is a carrier of the ancient wisdom tradition of opening to our own unique connection to the divine and tapping into the potent energy of healing that resides there. She discovered this path inside of her by walking through her own profound healing and awakening over decades. She sees this light of the divine within all of us. In her practice and teaching, she helps her patients and students heal and evolve as they remember this light within and shift from dis-ease to well-being, balance, self-love, and peace. Mm. I love this so much. I mean, I know that I was going to, I was like, when I, when you said, yes, I want to be on the podcast, I'm like, yay! <laughs> and I told you this was going to be a little five-year-old. because. I love how you, so I've, step back up. I have a PhD in cultural history and I'm a super spiritual person. What I found was that the PhD got me intellectually really far, but it couldn't get me to where I needed to be on a deeper spiritual level. And I see a parallel in that you have this naturopathic degree and you went within on this ridiculously deep and continue to be a deeply spiritual path to get to the next level. And I just love that so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you. This depth, and it sounds like there's a lot of correlations that we have. So I'm so excited for the conversation. So one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was since we're in the middle of this, what I'm calling the great quiet, you and your partner and your daughter all experienced getting sick from the virus. Mm -hmm. And you were telling me that you had this amazing experience. And I'd love to go in with that first. And that will lead us to your deeper work. Great. Yes, I'd love to share that. So so first, I just want to give a little background. So I live in Northern California. And as you know, there's a lot of virus. There's a lot of people who've had the virus here. 
So we've had a shortage of test kits. So when it first, when my partner first started getting sick, he was told, this was early, early on, he was told, if you don't have a fever, then it's not COVID-19. Of course, we know that's not accurate now, but that was what the public health nurses knew. And they didn't have enough test kits even to test him. So we were all hanging out. He he is coughing. My daughter gets it. So by that time, we realize, oh, actually, what is showing up here is a moderate case of COVID-19. And of course, as they've told us, you know, don't go out and go to the ER if you don't have serious symptoms. So she didn't have serious symptoms. It was it was pretty intense, but it was nothing. You know, as an atriatic doctor, I could I could help her. So then I talked to a public health nurse. They said the only people that were even testing now are community workers. So we don't know 100% if we had it, but we had all of the symptoms. They had all of the moderate symptoms and I had mild symptoms. So for me, what happened is that I started getting sick because because I was in quarantine with my daughter and I started getting really sick. And then, of course, I was taking supplements because I'm a metropatic doctor. But because I'm also a meditator, I would go into these very, very long meditations and I would, in essence, use somatic awakening, which is the modality that has been born through me, through my experience, which in essence is connecting to our higher self, specifically our higher self with this consciousness and dropping into relationship with the parts that would need the most attention. Mm. Also, because I'm a medical intuitive, I know how to track viruses and teach people how to track viruses. And so the first thing that happened is that I opened up and I could I could feel it down in the, in the bottom part of my lungs because, of course, it affects the lungs the most. And I could sense the virus that was there. And the virus, to be quite honest, it had an organic aspect to it and it had an inorganic aspect to it. It looked very metallic. It didn't look exactly what I, how I normally see organic viruses. And the most bizarre thing is that it was very, was connecting and even I don't mean to be to sound bizarre, but it was it felt like it was feeding off of my shadow. Oh wow. So the only way that I could actually treat it was to clear my shadow. I would try to treat it with my immune system coming in, I would try mm-hmm. to clear it out. Nothing would shift it unless I actually went down into the depths of my shadow, cleared it out, and then I could bring in my immune system. So this oh. happened six times where I started getting sick. I would do these really long meditations and then I would get out of the meditation. I would feel great. I would go about through my day. The next day it would happen again. So it would happen a total of six times back and forth. You can, as you can imagine, I did a huge amount of clearing of my shadow. Things that have been stuck and cemented for a long time by the sheer need of my staying present and staying focused, especially with a sick daughter in quarantine and patients calling me with their own concerns about their sicknesses and all this. I had a very strong commitment to staying well. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I I ended up doing a huge amount of deep shadow work Wow! to stay well. And every time I did, I would pop back into wellness. So hallelujah that I had these techniques so that I could increase my immune system, clear the shadow, heal the shadow, and then boost the immune system. And that is such a, like, it's such a deep awareness of how important it is to do shadow work. Definitely. Definitely. Because that's where the dis-ease ultimately resides. Yes. And, you know, the thing that I'll just say is because I've done a huge amount of shadow work 
for decades. The thing that really shifts it the most for me and, and, and the people that I work with in my practice is when we bring in our, the awareness of our higher self in relationship to our shadow because so we can so easily lose ourselves in intense fear or terror or whatever it is that's there, right? So, but when we bring in our higher self, our witness consciousness in relationship, then there's a balancing and literally an alchemical transfiguration that can happen mm-hmm. basically by being, bringing in all the love, the presence, the courage, the strength, whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. Be there in relationship with whatever's whatever's arising, whatever needs our attention. And for people who are dwelling in that state of fear or unrest, how can they start tapping into that that greater love of self? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different ways to do that. There's so many different doorways. Let's just say, you know, with Every true path of spirituality, not necessarily religion, but every true spiritual path of, we'll say, meditation or connecting into prayer, you know, those types of things, it opens the door to love. It opens the door to awareness, especially whenever we're holding that in our intention. For, for my work and what I teach, what I teach people is first get in their body by grounding connect into their higher self by connecting into their, the higher parts of who, who they are, drop that into the heart, and then notice what parts really need attention, what parts really need love, mm-hmm. and then bring that awareness there. So in essence, it's a, it's a path that you learn basic tools, and then you nurture those tools. And, this, and then the stronger those ways of being become, then the more powerful the awareness that you can bring in to whatever part needs love, whatever part feels that it's self-hating or that it's in terror or that it's in fear, whatever that is. Mm. It's a matter of nurturing, like a practice. Right. And there, there's, of course, specific information on my website, med- free meditations, things like that, so that people can connect in specifically. But there's so many different paths, right? Right. All, all paths lead, lead to the one. Right. Yeah. And one of the paths that fascinates me is your work with Mary Magdalene because her energy is so simultaneously misunderstood and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So what drew you to, to start exploring her and tap into that amazing energy. Wow. Well, that that could be a very long story, but I'm going to try to <laughs> narrow it down as much as possible. I'll just start with saying that I have always been a mystic, even as a child. But especially as I became an adult, I started having more and more understanding of intuition and memories. I started having lots of past life memories arise, not because I wanted to. These, you know, most of the time people say, oh, past life memories, that's so great. And I'm like, yes, it's great if they're wonderful memories, but they're not always wonderful memories because we've been in a very violent society for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So I started having lots of memories of 
you know, being burned at the stake or mm. being tortured or, you know, all these different things from being a midwife or being an herbalist or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. So to make a long story short, I went to go visit my mom who lives in the South, I'm from the South. And at this point, she was living in North Carolina. And she told me that someone was going to be coming for breakfast the next day. And I had already gotten an intuitive hit that you're going to meet someone on this trip. And this person happened to be a preacher. And at this point in time, I was going through a really, really hard time. I was in, I was just, it was the beginning part of a very long, dark night of the soul experience. And everything was melting down career. My marriage was ending. I was in the middle of a bankruptcy. You know, it was just like, it was just one thing after another. He knew about this. I I didn't know that he knew about this. We were sitting at the breakfast table and he said to me, I've been fasting and praying for you. Mm-hmm. And I was so touched. And he said, can I pray for you? And I said, yes, definitely. Yeah. And so he started praying for me and he started saying words like, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sons. And which is a very, you know, very Christian thing. And mm-hmm. I, and I, I've heard it many, many times. And I understand that it's coming from a very loving place, the intention. But I my awareness put up a wall because here I was killed by the Catholic church from all these past lives. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is that he ended up sharing with me after I shared with him, you know, this is what's happening for me. This is why I can't receive this. And he ended up sharing with me. He said, I am sorry for all of the men of the cloth who have come before me, who have hurt you or who have hurt any woman. I am sorry. And of course, I start falling yeah. and I'm broken open later on that evening in the middle of the night. Actually, I'm asleep. I am wakened up by the Holy Spirit with a booming female voice, booming female voice, who I now call Sophia, Divine Mother, mm. Holy Spirit, came to me and cleared my being out. She said, you are of the order of the Magdalene. And as she was saying that my being was being cleared out, I was in a clean experience. It was just completely beautiful, a little bit overwhelming, of course, because I didn't know what was going on. And at that point, I knew in my being that I was of the order of the Magdalene and had been of the order of the Magdalene, but I had no intellectual idea of what that meant Mm -hmm. at all. And so from there, I completely dove in into the her book, the Gospel of Mary, which is a, a gospel that was found through many different ways. I'm not going to go into all of this, but I'll just say it's similar to the Nagamati Gospels. She actually wrote a gospel. I read it, and it completely transformed my life. I started reading information that was channeled from her. I ended up going to France on a pilgrimage with a small group of other spiritual spiritual practitioners. And then what happened is that I went through an initiatory experience where Mary Magdalene and Yeshua, Jesus, came to me in the middle of the night and said, it's time for you to step into who you are. It's time for you to understand what Christ consciousness really means, to embody that and to share that with the world. Yeah. And that was a year-long initiation. Actually, it was longer than that. It was a year and a half. In some ways, it's still going on. And during that time, 
Mary Magdalene was with me on an energetic spiritual level teaching me. Mm. And she was the one who really taught me somatic awakening. So somatic awakening was born from her teaching me. I did get guidance from other spiritual teachers who were in person, but she was the one who really, really taught me this divine feminine embodiment modality. It's It definitely heals the physical body, the emotional body. But really what we're doing here is that we're bringing in our higher self awareness, both to heal the shadow, but also on the bigger level to embody the higher self in our being. Mm. And it's a divine feminine Christ path. Yeah. Because we're, we're bringing in the feminine into our body, the divine feminine into our body, so to speak. Now you, you mentioned the, the body of Christ on the cross, and today is Good Friday when we're recording, and I actually tuned in in my journal. Like, I just felt this energy come in, and I was like, okay, so I get that when Yeshua was placed on a cross, that what he was teaching needed some sort of dramatic shift and I really just don't like celebrating Good Friday because like my compassionate self, even though I know he transcended it, my compassionate self is like, that was just a really horrible lesson that people just still haven't gotten. Yeah. And what I feel is that for me, what he taught was by, and, and this is why I think Mary Magdalene is so critical to this because she's the feminine side of it is they're teaching us how to embody that beautiful being that we incarnate into. And like, this is what we're incarnated to be. And this world makes it pretty challenging to do that. Mm-hmm. And the Monday, Thursday through Sunday is such a bizarre not really getting the lessons kind of a period of time that we seem to celebrate every year. And and I get it because Estera was brought in for Easter and I, I get all the mishmash, but the lesson wasn't learned. Right. And so that's that's a it's not a struggle for me, but it's an awareness that the like this is what we should be paying attention to and this is where we are, you know, and and especially during this time where we're in quarantine, connecting with that deeper love for me has been really critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I really, really appreciate what you're saying here in terms of number one, you know, what happened, how violent it was. I mean, it was definitely a patriarchal violent experience yeah. with you know what what Rome did and what Rome continued to do afterward <sighs> with the early Christians. It was like, how how can you even do that? <laughs> and the thing that I come back to is that there were so many different things that Jesus was doing at that time to help shift the energetics so that humanity could actually evolve this is my belief system is that mm-hmm. he was shifting so many different things so that we could be free and yeah. i don't 
I don't, you know, say that I even understand exactly all that he was doing. But my belief is that Mary Magdalene and him were working together mm. in this way. You know, my sense is that she embodied the divine feminine Christ consciousness. He embodied the divine masculine Christ consciousness. And actually, if you look at her gospel, there's several different things that you can look at that actually correlate. Oh, no, she actually was the primary teacher. She was uh, beside him. She was the apostle to the apostles, so to speak. So my sense is that they were both working together and mm-hmm. she was really holding this divine feminine space for him to do the work that he was doing. So I think first, first of all, I just wanted to point out that, that I do believe that there were so many different things underneath the scene that we have no idea exactly what was going on, mm-hmm. uh, but it did allow us for, uh, to step more into freedom. And also, there are ways in which now we can look back 2,000 years later that there are people that understand what was really happening on a deeper level, what was really going on. And of course, some of the mystical deeper teachings, you know, that's, that's not necessarily public, but I will say that the bottom line that what we're really looking at here is that there are so many more light workers that are aligned and whether they call themselves mystical Christians or a Buddhist or what have you, there's so many people that are much more aligned to the energy of love, which is what they were really trying to teach. The mm-hmm. essence of love, how we're all unified in love, and how love heals everything. Mm-hmm. Love is the essence of creation, right? And that's what they were really opening the doors for. And it's taken us a long time to begin the process of actually embodying this. Right? I know. And that's and that's why you're doing what you're doing, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. So the essence of what I'm teaching is all about love. I'm actually mm-hmm. writing a book and. The first few phases of the title was was all about love. You know, it was it was I forget exactly the the first title, but it was something like the love that never dies, somatic awakening to love that never dies. Mm. Publishers are, are now saying, well, that doesn't really work. Da, 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 da. And so I'm still in the process of trying to find that title. But the bottom line is that what I'm trying to say is that this work is all about helping people embody love, and mm. the work of what. Christ was really here doing is really helping us understand that true power, true healing, true understanding of what's really going on is to really embody that love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that when I took my vow of peace, what has distilled from that is not only do no harm, but be love. Mm-hmm. Because inherent in peace is love. I can't be peaceful if I'm not experiencing love. And it's been a fascinating quest to fully understand what love is because it's not, it's not conditional. Right. It's not light. It's not tangible. It can be. But the essence within is a feeling or a knowing more than than an object for me. And it brings awareness to compassion 
Because compassion is one thing, but compassion without awareness, compassion without awareness doesn't really transform. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example. My, my partner who barged in, he, I said something and it triggered him this, this week. And I saw something deeper because I was showing up with, with this aware compassion. And I actually felt his, his, his little child get upset. And so instead of engaging him, because I knew that wasn't going to be helpful, I paused and then triggered more stuff. And then I finally, when he calmed down, I said, okay, what do you need when you get in that situation so I can show up with the compassion you need to help you heal? I've never said that before because I didn't have the awareness. And so for me, the previous compassion would be, oh, let me hug you and take it away from you. Now it's like, that's not really helpful. What do you need for your, for your self to feel like you're receiving compassion? And that requires patience. It requires stepping out of your own stories and slowing down. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, you've made a few really important points here. One is that love and compassion, from my experience, they go hand in hand. They're like two sides of, of the coin. Because if you start having compassion and, then, and, and you become aware of that, then love comes along. If you're choosing love, then compassion automatically opens. And, you know, my sense of it is that what we're really being asked to do as a society is to shift out of our intellectual mind. Of course, our intellectual mind is amazing. We wouldn't be here without it, right? And our egoic perceptions of you did something wrong to me because now my, my five, you've activated my five-year-old. So now it's all about you. You did something wrong, right? So, and the mind is what I like to call the best friend with the ego. And it can come up with all sorts of reasons as to all the different things that you you know, in the bigger picture, whoever you is, you did wrong. The the work that I do, what I'm helping people to do is to track and to nurture the parts of them. So we start with adult consciousness and then we go into witness consciousness and higher self-witness consciousness and all the way to the conduit of divinity, right? All these different higher aspects of self to then be in relationship with the parts that get triggered, whether it be the five-year-old or the 10-year-old or the 13-year-old who's hurt some parents getting divorced or some trauma or whatever that is. So really, we're really teaching these, these, these different higher aspects. We're teaching the people how to connect to the different higher aspects so that they can be in true relationship with these parts. And then they ask the question, what do you need? Can be there for you. Do you need compassion? Do you need love? Do you need for me to sit here with you? Do you need for me just to hold a strong presence and know know that I'm not going away? So then, when two people are have these practices and they get together in relationship, then it becomes a whole different way of being. Because mm -hmm. then, yes, the the partner that got triggered will be triggered, and the other partner can say, "Well, what do you need?" But also, there are multiple relationships that are happening. So there's the two people, and the, each person has their relationship with 
their higher parts and their triggered aspect, right? Because once a person gets triggered, then the other person can easily get triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And and we really just need, this is uh, something that a mentor told me many years ago, and I absolutely believe it, we need one adult to be in the room, mm -hmm. right? And if we can have a higher self in the room, even better. Yep. Because when that higher self is in the room, then it can go, okay, well, what do you need, the, the other person? And then what do I need in order to hold this space for this other person? So it's, mm -hmm. it, it totally is a complete game changer. It's a, it's a, a, two, a, a totally new, different way of being. It's a completely new, different puzzle, so to speak, of how to be with self and how to be with others. Mm -hmm. Oh, it, it definitely is. It was, a, it was an amazing shift in my consciousness. And then when he saw that I was being respectful and I just didn't know what he needed, he went, oh my gosh, you're actually patient. And it was, it was this whole complete, oh, wait a minute. We don't have to keep playing this behavior out because all of a sudden I'm being heard, which is ultimately what we want. And I have somebody who's willing to hear me and give me what I need to feel like I'm being heard. And it's, it's really deeply fascinating because yeah, different parts. Yeah. <laughs> different ways of being. It's like, okay, I, it's, it's the process of peeling the layers away to see more clearly is, is truly a beautiful process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little bumpy, but oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I've been working with a lot of people. I work with a lot of healers and a lot of light workers and I have been talking to them, you know, a lot lately because people are either a lot of people are sick and even more people are triggered or going through some initiatory experience and there's a lot of bumpiness that's happening right now for mm -hmm. many, many, many people. And especially what I'm finding is that especially the people who have made a commitment to being a light worker or being a healer, being a spiritual person, right? We're all, and I, I think I can say all, I'll just speak from my experience. All the people that I have talked to, all the people that I've connected to, that's both patients and friends and students and whatnot. We're all being asked to take that next step into this next piece of evolution, whatever that is for each person. Mm -hmm. And the people that aren't, that haven't committed to the spiritual path, a lot of them are just hitting the wall. Yeah. They're hitting the wall with whatever issue is arising, whether it be addictions or whether it be, you know, difficult relationships or whatever that is. And they're being asked to take that next step into, okay, what do you need to do to take, to, to decide, to open, to surrender? To actually stop pushing the resistance away and actually allowing for this initiatory collective experience, this dark night of the soul that we're all going through right now, mm -hmm. what do we individually need to do to take that next step? And how is that going to actually shift us mm -hmm. into this higher resonance of evolution and ultimately this higher resonance of love? Yeah. I don't think that there's, you know, if we look at the big picture and if we believe that there's no coincidence, I don't think that there's any coincidence that this is happening right now mm -hmm. in this Easter portal, right? We're all being asked to open more to love. 
Mm-hmm. What is that? And even for those who are, you know, traditional Christians, what does it mean to step more into love? What does it mean to step more into choosing self mm-hmm. over addictions mm-hmm. or, you know, higher ways of being? So, yeah, we are definitely stepping in. Oh, yeah. Step in deeper. Oh, I, I had this. Um, So because I've given up so much different foods, uh, one of my go to's has been Simple Mills almond crackers. Oh, I saw that post. Yeah, I, I was like, that. I didn't think I had any addictions left. And here the smack dab, like, oh, my gosh, shit, I have an addiction. <laughs> so since I brought it into my awareness, I don't need them as much uh-huh. because I have the conscious. It's not it's not even like, oh, I'm still going to eat them anyways or, oh, my gosh, I can't find them. Or it's just like I can calm down now because now I have this awareness that it was an addiction. Right. Oh, okay. All right. I can step back and and not mindlessly eat something because I'm trying to distract myself. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. I can I can do that. And it's just it's really funny because like I don't think I have anything left, right? And and yet I keep getting shown examples of and I still have a little work to do there. Really? <sighs> right. Because I'm human. Yeah, I don't know anyone who doesn't have work left to do if we're alive if we're breathing we have work left to do i completely understand i i like crunchy food i like chocolate (laughs) and you know really what i what where i'm coming from with addictions is to actually be able to be in relationship with that tendency Mm -hmm. it's not about and a lot of my work is is, it's not about judging it's Mm -hmm. not about trying to throw something away. It's not about trying to suppress something or make anything bad. Mm-hmm. It's about coming to what is in presence with our higher self and going, hey, this is what's going on. Right. I ate a lot of chocolate yesterday because this is a really hard time and I'm really tired. <laughs> so whatever. Right. <laughs> Too many crackers or, or, you know, a, a person who has alcohol. I had some alcohol and never drink it or I had too many whatever that is right mm-hmm. to come back again and again it's a new day and go okay what do I need to do with them with that relationship mm-hmm. who's in charge of that relationship? right can I allow my my higher parts of being to be in charge of that relationship mm-hmm. and actually look deeper into why I'm eating the crackers or eating the chocolate or doing whatever right or binging on Netflix right how many people are binging on Netflix right now? <laughs> I I don't have it. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Well, my daughter and I are watching Once Upon a Time for the second round. <laughs> and she would definitely binge on it all day that's long. That's awesome. I would let her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I have been. The one time I binged was when I was in high school before Netflix, long before Netflix, and uh, one of the stations had a star trek marathon and my friend and i michelle watched it for like 10 hours i think we got up to pee and we got up and we didn't know what dimension we were on and we didn't know what to eat i mean we were so confused because it was like 10 hours of kirk and spock and it was it was just i was like okay i'm not gonna do that again Right. <laughs> that was just too wonky. I, I remember going. The other the other thing I did was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, yeah. I went into a theater with my friend Karen to watch it. And we honestly we got out 
and we didn't know where we were parked. We didn't know what a bathroom was. I mean, it was just insane. So like binge watching really not so good for me. <laughs> no. no, not for me either. <laughs> yes, but I understand Lord of the Rings. I, I actually binged read it after the first movie. I had never read it before and I read all three back to back. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's, I mean, it is fun and it's interesting to see like the, the compellingness of the story. Is it just a compelling story or am I avoiding something? Right. And then there's the archetypal aspects of the story. Mm -hmm. I was just uh, telling the story I'm getting ready to share just the other night with my partner about Lord of the Rings. And it, it, it kind of correlates to some of the things that we've been talking about. So I'm going to mention it. So. As I mentioned before, I've had many, many, many past life experiences to the place where I really haven't wanted to have all this information. And it has served as a huge shifting in my energy. So in other words, as I, as I feel whatever's arising, then my energy opens. Then there's more here. Then I can be more in presence. Then I can be more in the unified field of now, right? So mm -hmm. the unified field of now, all lifetimes are present mm -hmm. whenever you get to that really, really, really deep place. So as I clear, now I'm working on like tens of thousands of years, right? As I clear, then I can be more present mm -hmm. in that field. So the reason I'm saying this is because after I binge read those, those the three books, I had this dream that changed my life. And in the dream... And my apologies for those of you who don't know the story, but I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say, say, I'll just kind of overall say it without like giving anything away. So in the dream, we were, I was with Frodo and we were in Mount Doom. I think it's called Lake Eldor or something like that. And this is at the very end of the book. And I heard this again, this booming voice that said, you have the power, like Frodo, to do what you came here to do. Wow. You have the power to do what you came here to do. And in essence, what that meant is to be able to clear enough and to embody enough to share what love really is, to share what healing really is, to share. So, yes, you know, we have to be mindful in regard to binging on anything, especially on TV. And when we pick and choose these deep stories and have these deep archetypes, it also can really serve our life to help give us the awareness to understand, yes, we are, are our own hero. We have the ability to be the hero like Frodo or be the hero like Luke Skywalker or whoever it is. I started watching Finding Joe yesterday, which is a documentary about Joseph Campbell. Ah. And I remember watching Joseph Campbell when I was in high school. They had a PBS series of interviews that they were rerunning with him and Bill Moyer. And I'd never heard of him beforehand, and nobody in my family had heard of him. And I was just like, this man, this man gets it. This man understand not not necessarily the the deep spiritual layers per se, but like the the interconnectivity of all. Yes, and 
that just opened my journey to uncover why there is this perception of separate. Mm. Because that's been all of my my education has been why is there an other? And I never found the answer. There was, no, there was never an adequate answer to find out why there's an other. Mm-hmm. And when I went on my spiritual journey, I went, oh, that's because there isn't. <laughs> right? It's a perception within me that I've been taught that isn't me. And a quest has been to help others awaken to that reality that there is no separation because we're not separate. We're not separate from source energy. We're not separate from each other. We're different from each other. We're different. We're different lights in the prism of source. Right. And we're interconnected. And the only way we can see that is through that love. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting. It's been an interesting journey for me in regard to opening to unity consciousness. You know, whenever I first started going deeply into my spiritual experiences, I would have awakenings where I would feel the oneness field. And then my ego would come back in and then very quickly (laughs) contract. And I started doing an inquiry about that. Well, why, why is that? Why is the ego so afraid of this unity consciousness of no me and everything? Mm-hmm. No, well, I shouldn't say no me because there's, there's always parts of our aspects that are, that are there, but very little me in terms of the unified field. Here I am and here's everything. We're all one. And what I started realizing whenever I would do this deep inquiry is that all of the parts of ourselves that have ever been traumatized in this lifetime or in past lifetime, what I call the carryover from the psyche of our soul that influences our current life ego, when we have trauma, when we've been abused, when we have a sense of something where we can track down, it creates a layer. The oneness is not safe. Oneness is not like, I have to protect myself. I have to survive, number one, right? And that's what the ego always does. It's always focusing on making sure that number one, meaning ourselves, survive. So as I have started to bring healing, bringing love and presence into all of these layers, what happens is that everything is more soft. There's less contraction. There's less holding on. There's less trauma response activated there's more softness then there's more fluidity of bringing in love there's an embodiment that actually happens and when we're embodied with love then guess what unity consciousness happens so much easier Mm -hmm. right so now i just drop down into what the heart of mother earth and i call them unified field of consciousness and nine times out of ten i'm going to get there Mm -hmm. because my ego is soft enough. Now, I'm not saying that I have no ego. It's just soft enough to know <laughs> that it's safe enough to drop into unified consciousness of love, the unified field of love that mm-hmm. holds us all. Mm-hmm. So, so it is a path. That's my, my experience is that it's been a path of mm-hmm. healing and softening and compassion to myself, for my, for my higher self, from, you know, all the way from the conduit of divinity from the big Christ consciousness, right? 
and beyond, Buddha consciousness, whatever word you want to use at that point. There's no religion. It's all masters are one, all things are one, all things are love. Mm, that's so liberating. Yes. Hallelujah. Mm. <laughs> I was raised in the South, and every now and then I say, can we say hallelujah? <laughs> Uh, and I was raised in New England, and it was like, we talk in church? <laughs> Wait a minute, we can actually say something? <laughs> hmm. I think that feels like a very beautiful point at which to stop. Mm. So I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. How do people find you? Mm. So people can find me online at my website, and the website is www.somatic-awakening.com. So let me just spell that. So www.somatic-awakening.com. And on my website, there are there's a section with the recordings, through the meditations. There's, I also do my own podcast and pieces of light. So there's transmissions and other things, teachings, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of other blogs. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big writer. So there's a lot of information, free information on my website. You can just check it out. And of course, how to work with you as well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I will say, I will say there's an introductory course that's coming up at the end of this month called Embody Healing and Freedom. And it's an introduction to Somatic Awakening. Mm. And there is a, I'll just say this. It's not on my website, but there is a big discount that's happening because of the shelter in place mandate and people having financial issues. If you are interested in this, you can go on, sign up. There's a coupon code for half off. It's called Embody, or the code is Embody98, one word, all lower case. And then, Thank of course, you. there's information about my practice if you're interested. Melissa, it is it's such a joy to connect with you. I was getting chills throughout the conversation, okay. which I love. That's so beautiful. I'm so delighted to have this conversation with you. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. The action item of the week is to find a part of you that you've been avoiding through a meditation. Feel into the feeling of it. Be present to it and don't judge it. See how you can love it. This may be a bit hard at first. So try it until you can do it without judging yourself. This type of work is incredibly healing. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.